Welcome to Hour of Devastation, the weekly Magic the Cavern podcast where we talk all things Magic the Cavern. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neill. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? I'm doing fine, I think. Cool. Good. Good. My leg hurts a bit, but I'm fine. <laughs> uh, what yeah, happened, what mean, happened with your leg? Sorry? What happened with your leg? Oh, uh, I have to, like, crouch down a lot at work to pick cards from boxes that are basically on the floor. Um, and I'm not very fit. <laughs> so I've, like, pulled something on my car for something, so it kind of hurts to walk all the time. Oh. But other than that, I'm fine. Uh, Injured yourself picking up, picking up magic cards. Yeah, my you know my extremely strenuous and, and labour heavy job <laughs> of picking Magic the Gathering cards. Uh, yeah, so I'm in a bit of pain, but I officially don't have COVID, so that's good. nice. That is very nice. That's good. Good going. That was good. Um, the whole of my family do, which isn't good, but oh. they seem okay. Yeah, they seem fine. I have I dropped some stuff around their house, um, and they all seem like ill, but they seem relatively okay. So that's nice. Um, but I was a bit worried as well because I had recently seen my sister like at a distance and stuff yeah um but then she got covid and i was feeling quite chesty and i had yeah. quite a high temperature so i got a test which was uh, not fun <laughs> but uh yeah i'm fine i got a text the next day saying i do not have covid19 good um and yeah i feel kind of fine <laughs> good. So that's that, the main thing right yeah definitely definitely that's the that's good the tests come back come back negative so you don't have to worry about that at the very least so yeah that's good yeah good going yeah, I've managed to make it 12 months without getting it. Nice. While I, leading a relatively normal life. So. I've still no idea whether or not I've had it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I had a negative test for all the symptoms, so who knows? Who knows? Yeah, you probably just had something else somehow. It's part of that you've literally left your house three times in the last 12 months. Yeah. Yep. Which is impressive. <laughs> well done. I still, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm convinced I had it. I lost my sense of smell for like five days. That's really strange. Definitely that's always different. a weird one, I think, because that's not a symptom of basically anything else. Yeah. And the fact that it came back, it's not like, you know, you just got anosmia, right? You just, it came yeah. back. So the fact that you had that seems very strange to me. Yeah. So that sounds very covid but... Who knows? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm pretty good, I think. Yeah, just very much the same as I am every week. Nothing new to report, really, but uh, just still living and loving that Groundhog Day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's nothing else to do. That's the thing. Like, I always want there to be something interesting to talk about at the start of the podcast, but it's becoming increasingly difficult. Yeah, because nothing changes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Nothing changes, and and for me, especially every single day, that is a weekday is is pretty much exactly the same. Like, <laughs> uh, wake up, do some stretches in the morning, go to work, then three times a week I do exercise after work, and then make tea and and watch TV with my wife, or have some sort of gaming session or, or podcast or, or something so it, it, it very much does like I know I always say it but it really does feel like Groundhog Day it's good because if you say that in every episode it'll really feel like it as well <laughs> <laughs> cool how's, how's your, your week with, with magic been have you managed to engage with magic much what do you think <laughs> do we ever <laughs> aside from injuring yourself picking up magic cards yeah oh god Someone better appreciate that order from uh, the, from the cards from Zendikar they wanted. <laughs> that box is right on the floor. Um, yeah, I haven't played any Magic, really. Um, I haven't even bought any Magic cards, which is impressive for me, honestly. Yeah. I've just been playing Team Fight Tactics. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's basically all I've been doing. It's really fun. 
I genuinely think that you should give it a go. Because, like, like I said, like I have actually no no idea what's going on with League of Legends specifically. Yeah. But you pick it up, and now I know like the League of Legends characters that are in it. But I think I think the reason it's so well, I mean it's free to play first of all, which is which is good, and it's like a level playing field, right? Like you don't get any. It's not like arena where it's free to play, but like you do really badly unless you actually put money in. Yeah. Or grind it forever and ever and ever. Um, it's free to play and everyone's on a level, level playing field and you just learn to play the game and I think why it's so engaging is like my favourite part of drafting magic is the draft Yeah. and every time I do a draft I don't really want to play the games I want to do another draft <laughs> um, so League of Legends is basically like, uh, sorry Teamfight Tactics is basically just draft yeah. constantly you like you draft the entire time up until you win or wherever, wherever you place so it's just it's just constant drafting and, and resource management and assessing the position you're in which is really it really scratches that sort of drafting itch without having to actually play games of magic yeah <laughs> which, which is which is good and it just like it's just a it's a it's a fun way to pa- like to kill 40 minutes or whatever um and you can play it on your phone so i'm just like lying in bed until two in the morning <laughs> playing it <laughs> um but yeah that's basically all i've been doing with my spare time honestly paying a bit cool. more and playing tft so <laughs> cool all right sounds, sounds fun to me sounds fun yeah I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it right and that's the main thing yeah oh 100 percent how was how was your week with Magic been? Yeah, so I, I have also been uh, playing games on my phone, but in quite a different way. I I have one of those phones that's good enough to run Magic Arena, apparently, and so yeah, I've been playing a lot of nice. Magic Arena on mobile, and it's an experience. It's certainly an experience. Uh, it's both impressive and I don't know. I was going to say disappointing, but I don't think it is disappointing. I think it's it's very impressive, but also is not very good in some ways. Do so, you think you have to come into it thinking that it's going to be a different experience to like playing it on a on an actual computer? Quite possibly. So I think, I guess I'll just talk about the, the negative first, I guess, and get that out of the way. I think it's, it's very clunky. Uh, I think mm-hmm. any sort of, any sort of digital magic in the first place fe- usually feels very clunky when compared to, to paper magic, I think. Uh, I, I think for me, Magic Online is a bit of an exception to that because it, it behaves very much like a strict rules engine, which is which is yep. good, which is how I how I like to to play Magic and enjoy Magic. Yeah. Uh, but compare it to stuff like like Magic Duels or uh, Magic Arena, it it's definitely a lot clunkier than Paper Magic. Uh, and I think I think Arena on mobile it plays a lot nicer and a lot better than Magic Jewels on mobile ever did, but it's a, a completely different experience to playing it on on PC. I think. Yeah, I and it just that. it just doesn't flow as as smoothly. So it's it's got a bit of a different UI and a bit of a different board setup. Uh, I I think they've I think that they've they've done it quite well and. So you you have all of your all of your lands are on the left side of the side of your your screen. You've got like uh, planeswalkers and artifacts and stuff on the right side of your screen. Then you've got like your creatures sort of in the middle. So most things are kind of just sort of in line on a bit of a, like eleven feet level field. Uh, I think they've done that very well uh, to give you an, an experience that is very similar to playing arena on PC, but also one which is very mobile device friendly so i think they've, they've smashed that they've really handled that well mm-hmm. uh, but there's there's definitely just a bit of a strange disconnect everything seems to like move at like a much slower play, pace but not in like a way that it lags or anything just in the fact that 
it takes it takes a bit longer to do everything, uh, which which I think feels quite strange coming from like I guess comparing it to like Hearthstone, where I feel like Hearthstone is considerably faster on my phone than it is on the PC, because it's obviously yep. it's faster just to just to drag things around with your finger than it is to click on something with, with a mouse. Uh, so I think it's it definitely it definitely has a strange feel to it and definitely feels a bit slow in places, but it works. It works surprisingly well. I think that's the that's the main important thing, really. I think I was I was expecting it not to work very well. The fact that it's in like early access, I was expecting it not to work very well, and also to just kind of crash every like every game or two. But that really <laughs> really hasn't been the case at all. Okay, well, do you play against specifically other people on mobile, or does it go cross platform? Uh, so it's it's cross platform. So you you can just you can just play louder against other people um, who are playing on different platforms. So that, that's what I've been doing. I think I've, I've definitely definitely enjoyed uh, just having having that that option of like I, don't know, I might wake up a bit early in the morning and it's too cold and I'm too tired to get out of bed, so I'll just fire up a, a game of historic ladder and just sit there and, and like play in bed, and that's great. That's not something that I've had with Arena before because. I don't know why, but it won't run on my laptop. Uh, my, <laughs> my laptop runs far more intensive games than Arena, but it just does not like Arena for some reason, or Arena I does mean, not like it. Yeah, the program has had its uh, its pitfalls. Yeah, just generally, it's still not a perfect does. piece of engineering. I do think it's weird that they've brought out mobile before actually making the you know desktop client work <laughs> properly, because uh, yeah. it still has a lot of problems. Um, and is I mean, is this the final version of Arena we've got now, or is it still technically in some kind of beta? Or uh, I, I think like yes and no. So I think as far as mobile goes, it's in early access still. So I think there may and probably will be some changes um, sort of implemented as as it goes along, as it grows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I don't know, like they do these sort of state of the games for Arena every month, and I think it's it's. It's the final version of the game, as in, like, every sort of live service game is these days. Like, yes, it's the final version of the game, but also we're going to add new patches and improve things slightly every month and just sort of tweak a lot of things here and there. But, like, if you want to download that and if you could just play Arena offline and never update it again, I think that would probably be a fine finished product. But it's, it, it's, it's certainly interesting and... It works a hell of a lot better than I thought it would. Like the fact that it's crashed three times. I've played. I haven't counted how many games I've played on there yet. Uh, but I think as I've, I've played a fair amount of games, and the fact that it's only crashed three times is a lot better than I thought it would be. Uh, two of those ti- <laughs> Two of those were in game uh, in a in a ladder game, which was very frustrating at the time. Um, it just it just did some really strange things. So one of them was uh, I I played uh, Kaya the Inerexable. Uh, she entered the battlefield and then I couldn't activate any of Kaya's abilities. I couldn't take any game actions. Uh, all of my, my ropes burnt down to zero and the game wouldn't end. <laughs> it just it, it just stayed there and stopped over and do anything. Wow. Okay. So that was that was odd. Uh, and then the second one happened yesterday uh, where I I had an issue. So I. Cast well. I tried to cast uh, Khan's temporal thundering, uh, targeting myself to take an extra turn. 
but it wouldn't let me target myself, so oh, that's strange. So I tried to target my opponent, and it wouldn't let me do that, so like, okay, that's strange. Um, I mean, I'm not dead. I was on like three life or something, or four life. I think I was on like like three or four life, and uh, my opponent was on mono red and had like two creatures on board, but I had to settle the wreckage in hand, so I was like, well, I'm, I'm not dead. I'm going to pass the turn and see if I can cast this next turn. I've got this settle in my hand, so I'll be fine. So I pass the turn, uh, I get to my opponent's attack step, they they attack, I try to cast Settle the Wreckage, it won't let me target my opponent, it won't let me target myself, but it does put two copies of Settle the Wreckage on the, on the stack. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, there was, I, so I tried to cast the one from my hand, it put two copies on the stack and it wouldn't let me select, select the target for either of them. <laughs> Okay. It's very strange. So I think yeah. that's it. It's at the point where occasionally, like I said, I don't know, maybe three out of fifty games, it does something. It just it just goes wrong. It does something weird like that, uh, and yeah, that's it's not good if you if you're playing on ladder. But given the fact that it's still an early access for a bunch of different Android devices, I think that's fine. I think I think I can look past it. Uh, and then the third time was just me purposefully trying to crush it by making a deck which was just ramp spells, land, and scoot swarm, trying to <laughs> trying to see how many tokens I could generate. And uh, th- that did crash after after I, I was attempting to generate two hundred and fifty scoot swarm tokens. But that's that's definitely understandable. Like that crashed the PC as well. Yeah, I think that yeah. seems reasonable. <laughs> I like that you say um, it's only crashed three times, and that's pretty good. <laughs> Which for a wizard's yeah. product is probably quite an apt, <laughs> an apt well, that, Yeah, that's it. Given given how new it is and that it is in early access, and I think developing such a complex game for different Android devices is always going to be strange because obviously the the Android operating system is it can be different across different devices. So many different devices run it. It's not just like like iOS when you've got like one one version of the of the operating system and the the technology doesn't really change that much between variations mm-hmm. yep. of phones so i think it's i think it's pretty good going i can definitely definitely look past it uh, the fact that it's it's crashed twice in game and once on purpose which which was good i've definitely tried to break it and, and tried to play around with it and try to mess things up and uh, other than the making a you know 250 scoot swarm tokens <laughs> It hasn't failed any of the tests that I've tried so far, so yeah, good going, good going, definitely. How much of your battery does it drain? Uh, again, that's another thing that really surprised me. It really doesn't seem to seem to drain it that much at all. Sweet, okay. It's probably it, it's probably comparable to Hearthstone, I think. Uh, maybe even maybe even a little less intensive than Hearthstone, which sounds strange, but yeah i definitely definitely have not had any battery issues at all when running it and yeah surpri- surprised that i just didn't like go from 100 to zero in like 10 minutes yeah well that's that's been my experience generally with like good uh good fan games like yeah i mean there's the, the crappy ones that you just like solitaire that you use to pass the time right but mm-hmm. like when i've played like hearthstone and, and and tft like it just kills the phone yeah um but that's good that's good to know and that it, that it at least works and you have been able to play some actual ranked games <laughs> on your phone that's really really cool it's a shame I'll never play it again but you know yeah I mean it's it's worth it like if you've got a phone that can run it uh, it's, I think it's absolutely worth 
downloading it and giving it a go and seeing what it's like. It's it it's not it wouldn't be like my first choice of, of ways to play magic, but I, I love that it's an option. I'm a big big fan and I, I guess mm-hmm. it is it's with it just being an early access still, it's still one of those things that will improve as time goes on and look yeah. forward to continue playing it. Sweet, okay. But yeah, it's been sweet. I enjoyed, yeah, enjoyed playing a lot of arena, a lot of arena, which is, which is strange. Um, that doesn't sound like you. Actually, I think maybe maybe that should be our sort of main topic this week. Talk about like the, our first sort of early impressions of Carl Time and anything we've seen, because I think there's there's definitely some things to discuss, and there's definitely some things that I've learned so far. Oh, I can definitely talk about eternal formats. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> what I had in mind. As far sweet. as standard, as far as standard goes. <laughs> I've got nothing. I've played maybe a handful of standard games. So I've been playing um, a Abzan sort of mid-range deck, I guess, in standard, um, which just uses like a bunch of adventure cards plus Kaya plus that new um, new saga that is very good that I don't remember the name of currently. <laughs> shows is exactly it? how good it is. Is it time that we just admit that we're not a standard podcast at all? Yeah. Just quite never probably. try and talk about it again. <laughs> Binding of the Old Gods, that's the one. Binding of okay, the Old yeah. Gods, I think it's quite a good saga. Uh, yeah, i just I'm just not a fan of the format at all. I think the the Jund list looks really cool, and that's definitely something that I want to play, but uh, I don't have a fraction of the wild cards required to build that deck, and I'm keeping free to play on Arena. So that's, that's my experience with standard is playing maybe a handful of games with this Abzan deck, which which seems solid. It seems good, uh, and I'm happy enough to do that. I'll play standard when I have to. So I, I have like a local arena standard league that I, I do take part in. Uh, so I will sort of play whatever games that I need to play in that definitely. But I'm I'm not going to sit on the ladder and grind standard. Uh, standard is is not the format for me currently, and has not been for a while. Well, yeah, I mean you've got to. In times like this, you've got to look after your mental health, right? <laughs> grinding, I mean, grinding standard leagues doesn't sound like a good way to do that. Yeah, I'm still grinding leagues, and no way, not not standard though. Uh, historic, historic is definitely where it's at. I've done like somehow I've just done like a total like 360 on historic. It was like it's a really good format now. It really feels like it's ha- like it has its own thing. I think because it's so different from standard. And so different from any of the other formats, and like Pioneer feels really miserable to mean something that I don't ever want to play again. Is <laughs> uh, wow, historic. Historic just feels really good. Big big fan of that as an alternative to to standard. I mean, this is just the exact opposite of where you were like twelve months ago. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Wow. Okay. That's cool because you were like really excited for Pioneer, and now you think it's terrible. And well, they you... banned all all the cards I like. <laughs> yeah, you can't just do combo all the time, Joe. But you can't do any combo. Well, I guess technically, sure, you can do like a combo or two in Pioneer. But I just wanted one good, one good combo deck in that format would have been enough for me. But now, if you want to play a good deck, they're they're not really decks that I enjoy. I mean, I could play like a reasonable blue white control deck, but I just miss combo. I just miss combo. Is anyone even playing that format anymore? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't see any content about it ever. I mean, there's no. a lot of reasons why it, it just sort of died, mainly that it was going to be introduced as a GP format and then GPs, and then, yeah, existing, GPs so. died <laughs> and then it was going to be on Arena and they pushed that back quite a bit. And 
then I think a lot of a lot of loud voices and a lot of I guess a lot of people really in in the format were very very unhappy with the state of the format and just how combo combo heavy it was. So there was a lot of content being made about about the state of the format and about how combo is problematic for the format and how people don't want to play against it. And then they pulled the trigger and went right. We'll just ban all the good combo combo decks and now nobody really cares at all, which is the worst place a format can be in. I think. Well, that's just that's just magic players all over. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, we should definitely ban this thing, and then Wizards go, okay, you can't do this thing anymore, and then everyone's like, I wish I could do the thing again, and that that just happens in basically every format and every kind of magic that ever yeah. happens. We'll just we'll give you exactly what you've been asking for, or at least some kind of roundabout way, something similar to what you've been asking for, and then people just hate it anyway. Yeah. Like. I know it's a meme to say that you can't please magic players, but Jesus Christ, you cannot please magic players. Oh no, hundred percent cannot please magic players. Just look at look at any aspect of magic, and you'll find someone that's complaining about a thing that they asked for, <laughs> including me. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, me too as well. Me too, definitely. But I, I think I think Kaldheim has, in in general, been a fantastic set. I think this is kind of where we want to see the power level of sets, or at least where I want to see the power level of sets when they've got to do these, you know slightly step up from where the power level was in the 2015 to 2019 era but don't do anything too broken I think we're, we're seeing a good amount of cards that are seeing play across standard uh, Goldspan Dragon seems to be like a very very popular card which which is good I, I wasn't too sure whether yeah. or not that would actually be played but everyone seems to love it and, and that's let's good, just, that's uh, really good let's just uh, not remind anyone about what I said about it last week <laughs> or the week before <laughs> Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm still not sold on it myself, but I mean, it's like a like a really cool, exciting thing. But it just seems like a good, reasonable card, and Glory Glorybringer saw a good amount of play, and it just fills that spot nicely. So that's good. Uh, Valky God of Lies is obviously seeing a lot of play, as is the reverse side. That is Tybalt Cosmic Imposter. Uh, I think this card is great on both sides, and. Yeah, I'm really glad that it's seen a good amount of play. I also saw today that a uh, somebody finaled a legacy league, including this in a, a shardless bug deck. So that's sweet. That's exactly what I want to see from legacy. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we can. This always happens at the start of a format where new cards get released and people try and jam them into eternal decks. Yeah. And we see some good results because you know it's a case that people are just jamming them and jamming them and jamming them until they actually get results. But I think yeah. with that one, that's kind of encouraging. It seems like the kind of thing you would want to do. And like like we said before, like the Valky, like actually casting Valky for two mana is kind of fine. Yeah. Um, not particularly. It's not an embarrassing card to be playing. Where like there are some cards that you're forcing in because in certain situations, you know, like cascading into it, it's really really good. Yeah. But when you don't cascade into it, it's kind of bad. But Valky's still a good yeah. card to cast on the front half and is like just about yeah. Oh, absolutely. The top of the legacy. Yeah, like so, turn like worst worst case scenario, you're casting a turn two Valky and, ex and exile on your opponent Zuro. Like, that and attacking with an Uro next turn. Yeah, yeah, like that seems yeah, really it's, good. It's it's very very good. Um, it's just about playable, and yeah, like Shardless Agent into Tibble is just kind of obnoxious. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're, we're seeing some of the things in modern with Jund and people are brain elving into Valky. Yeah, and Valky's also again just just kind of good enough for for modern. Yeah, mainly because of the same Uro thing, um, but. Yeah, like, it, I think that's got longevity, and again, I, I don't think it's a, it's a big problem in in like an Uro or an Oko sense. Yeah, because it's no, very definitely. specific decks that are playing it, right? Like it's not... yeah, that's it. It's it's like the the, the front side of the of 
Valky is only ever going to be as good as the creatures that are that are you know broken in the format like Uro, uh, and then the backside is is very good. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about modern, but as far as legacy goes, there's plenty, plenty ways to deal with a with a Tibalt Cosmic Imposter, whether it's on the board or in the stack, or on the stack, or in your opponent's hand. Like, I think it's it's totally fine for legacy, and I, I really wouldn't mind this just being a bit of a long term player. Yeah, I don't think you know resolving a large Planeswalker is going to give too many modern decks a run for the money, especially when the yeah. format's kind of swinging towards combo. Um, and they probably don't care about it most of the time, you know. <laughs> but then having you know a Valky on turn two to like take an opposing primeval time or something like that is is just very good. So I'm yeah, I'm into it. I, I like that as just an inclusion in decks. I don't think it's going to be a problem, and I look forward yeah. to four weeks time when we say that it should be banned and it is a real problem. <laughs> so that's generally how it goes. <laughs> uh, speaking of cards that should be banned, go on. Uh, another flavor of all Tybalt card is uh, Tybalt's trickery. Yeah, it and... turns out this one isn't a meme. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I don't know. I, I put up a poll on Twitter the other day, saying, you know, asking, is it too early to talk about to talk about banning Tibalt's trickery? Uh, I, <laughs> I got a yes. Yes was the the majority result for that, which I thought was quite surprising, given that I wasn't saying should it be banned. I was saying should we talk about it potentially needing a ban? Um, but you know, magic, magic players, right? Why would you engage with magic? Like, social media. it <laughs> yeah. seems like a horrible idea. Oh, I fully agree. Fully agree. But um, yeah, I th- I think we should be having the conversation about typical trickery. I think in formats where Thoughtseize is seen an abundance of play, and you've got force of will effects, and you know it's a best of three format, and you've got silver bullet sideboard cards and all that, then sure, it's it's probably fine. But I would be more than happy to see this band in best of one historic. So that's the the format that I've been playing the most recently, and it doesn't happen every game. It doesn't. It's not every deck that I play against, but a non-zero amount of times, you'll get paired against Tibble's Trickery. Uh, you'll play a, a tapped Shock Land and pass the turn, and they'll play an Ornithopter and counter it with Tibble's Trickery, and then play an Ulamog or an Omniscience, and then cast an Ulamog from the hand. And it's yes, it's. it's it's not something that I think sh- should be done, especially not in a best of one format. Uh, I personally, yeah. I, I like at this point, I w- would like to see it banned in in best of one historic. Um, I think like, in best of three, like at least you have a sideboard and you've got answers for that. And there are a, there's a, there's a bunch of like combo decks or unfair decks in historic, but they're all killing you on like turn four consistently. Whereas Tibbles Cri- Trickery is essentially just winning the game on, t- on turn two most of the time like an unreasonable amount of times uh, like there's, there's no way you can come back from from a turn two well yeah a turn two Ulamog in historic at all really sure I mean I think the same case can be like made that was made against Nexus of Fate yeah where, yeah very much you know, so there are ways there are ways to deal with it but in best of one in game one there's just there are so few that it's it, it's not a healthy thing to have in the format yeah. So I think I think that's very reasonable. Like just putting an an Ugin or an Unamog into play is just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Without effective ways to deal with it. That's it. Yeah. Like it's cast as well. So like, you're on the draw. You play a Shockland tapped, pass the turn to your opponent, and they cast an Ulamog and exile your only permanent. Like. <laughs> yep. 
there's, yep. there's no way, absolutely no way you can come back from that. And it's, uh, yeah, while while I'm not against doing that kind of thing, I think I'm I'm very much against doing that kind of thing on turn two in a format that doesn't have force of will or force of negation or anything like that. Yeah, because we're seeing we're seeing similar decks kind of crop up in modern. Yeah. With, uh, Either the, the Ornithopter route or the uh, Violent Outburst yeah. Cascade Into It route. And at least that format has Force of Negation that you can cast on turn two. Yeah, that's it. If like you if, need you, to. if you compare it to something like Show and Tell and Legacy, like that's that's not an issue. You have so many answers in that format for a turn two show and tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. But specifically best one historic, I, I would love to see it go. And it's, it's frustrating because it's one of those decks that we're not really seeing a lot, or at least like I'm not seeing a lot of it on the ladder currently, but you know, every six or seven games maybe I'll come up against it and then oh there's a loss. Okay, that stopped me from going in the next bracket. That sucks. And they just have it every time as well, because you just you mulligan to to a, to a, a trickery and then that's it. Well that's the thing as well, especially with the with with the London Mulligan, is that yeah. you don't care because your deck's mainly lands, so you're probably yeah. fine as the first and second land, so you can just mulligan down to one, effectively. Yeah. Which are still sevens, to try and find the trickery. So I think that level of consistency also makes it a problem. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I agree. I, 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 th- yeah. I think I, I think where I'm at is, is ban it in best one historic, uh, and start having conversations about it in other formats, and having conversations about these type of cards and effects and yeah I, I don't know I just I wish it had said like counter target spell opponent controls yeah yeah I I can't think of a good reason why it doesn't unless they wanted these things to happen which seems like yeah. a weird thing for them to want to happen especially when you talk about things like like Pioneer and whatever where they ban the combos which are sort of potentially more consistent but yeah, I, far I less obnoxious <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just sort of looking at it through like through commander's eyes because you sometimes you might get to do a cool a cool funny you know ridiculous game winning thing or like like an exciting moment you get to do an exciting moment in commander where you're like well i'm gonna be dead or whatever but here we go i've got this triple trickery i've got a spell in my hand i can counter here's my hail mary let's do this and then that's a story and all of your play group laughed and enjoyed it and that's a good magic memory that you've created but yeah, as as far as the performance go, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Commander ruining magic again. What <laughs> you thought? I mean, yes and no. <laughs> I think the issue is just this is the same as it always is. Like free spells, free spells are never a good thing. Yeah, we keep we keep saying it, and I think Wizards of the Coast are just going to keep doing it and banning yeah. the free spells until <laughs> don't until they don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what they're going to do. Quite they, possibly. They. they apparently have no interest in just stopping printing free spells because every time there's a free spell, even if it's not broken, people don't like it. And people are... And again, it is a very small percentage of the the Magic playing population, right? It's mainly people who are fairly serious about the game, pros or content creators or anything like that, who are saying, please stop doing this. And they continue to do it and just try and tune it down. Like, we've got the... What was it? In Search of Greatness? Is that the the double green enchantment from Calhoun? Which is, I mean, some people are trying to build some decks around it, and you know, it's it's only week, week, week one of the arena format, um, <laughs> and people are trying to do stuff with it, and and like, it seems relatively okay on the power on the power level, 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. But I, still, I, it's I, not an effect that most of us really like, and we have formats we can go to if we want that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And yeah, I don't 100%. think standard is a place where free spells should should just be toyed with constantly. Yeah, definitely, definitely agree there. I've, I've played against search of in search of greatness decks on on arena and uh, best of one historic and have not lost against one yet. I've also played against <laughs> against mystic reflection decks and also have not lost against those either. I think those types of, of free spell effects are, are fine, but yeah, it, it's when you. It just says, "Oh, cast, cast this without paying its cost." Is is when things things always always go wrong. <laughs> yeah, there's always a potential for that, right? Like, there's always yeah. a potential for for someone to break it at some point, and and things take a while to get there or to appear broken, or maybe something. And you know, maybe the card's always broken, we just don't realize until something else is printed that pushes it over the edge, like fires we mentioned. Yeah. Um. <laughs> or you have things like Once Upon a Time that are just broken the entire time. Like we haven't had a standard format in a while that hasn't had a free spell in it that's been somewhat problematic. Yeah. Maybe this is it. Maybe the fact that you can because I mean you can do double trickery in standard, right? You can. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so there is a standard deck that's doing it, but I I don't think it's anywhere near as good. Probably not. But you're gonna feel bad, you know, if you if you're trying to you being in the ladder and you have no answer to. Uh, Tormod's Crypt, right? Is Tormod's Crypt legal in standard currently, right? It's in M- M21? Yes, yeah. So, yeah, you, if you have no answer to Tormod's Crypt, Tormod's Trickery into Ugin, then you're going to feel bad, especially if you're playing best of one. Like, yep. And there are 100%. very few, there are, like, I imagine very few ways to actually deal with the resolved Ugin on turn two that can just bolt down all your things. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, you just, you can't deal, deal with a turn two. Well, I guess, uh, I mean, no, not really. I was going to say you could, um, what is the what is it called? Rune Halo. Yeah, sure. You could play <laughs> that and then, and then pass the turn and then they minus and exile it. <laughs> Rune Halo. Yeah. Well, they can't cast the, they can't cast the, the named spell. I'm thinking of a different card. You're say you're going to play that in your best of one standard deck. No, no, no. I, I'm thinking of the right card. Yeah. Rune Halo. Yeah. You have protection from chosen from chosen name, so you just name. Ugin the Spirit Dragon, that's the only no, no, one standard that you, that you can deal with an Ugin on turn two, and then you pass the turn, the and they have to minus yeah. the Ugin to get rid of it. So, so it doesn't even it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't deal with the Ugin on turn two, I guess. But it, uh, it lets you survive an extra turn. But it also means you have to put the Rune Halo in your main deck <laughs> when it's not even good yep. enough to be playable. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I disagree with that, but yeah, sure. <laughs> I suppose you can play Sorcerer's Spyglass. As, as somebody who's playing a, a Esperiorian deck in Best of One, historic, uh, yeah. So you just relish in being a baddie all the time. Oh hell yeah! I yeah, that's <laughs> it. Like so, so that so that I guess I'll touch on the deck that I have been playing a bit. So uh, I decided to just brew a deck with like good Esper cards. I guess like whatever rafts are legal in <laughs> historic, essentially, <laughs> yeah. plus like Esper colored planeswalkers, uh, including Kaya, and then obviously stick Khan's temporal sundering in there because I want to do it because you can, mm-hmm. uh, you and can, it's yeah. it's been performing considerably better than I thought it would, and I'm, I'm very happy with that. I've been winning more Good. games than I've been losing, and that's uh, that's the important thing, right? Well, clearly your homebrew deck is better than anyone else could do, and you know much better than all the pros because that's how it works. Yeah. So congratulations. Go, yeah, I'll just go go post it to Reddit and then uh, 
but no, we'll see. We'll see. And then one person will say, mm, maybe this isn't very good, and then you'll have a meltdown and <laughs> flame them and then say some slurs for some reason because you're on Reddit. Yeah, that sounds about right. Cool. Have fun doing that. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I, I've been enjoying it. I think Kaldheim's Gal- definitely, definitely opened up historic quite a bit as well, which is good. Uh, standard, it's opened up a little bit. I think it's kind of seeing what you would expect to see play in like you know like obviously Tibble has seen some play uh, Doomscar seems to be seeing a lot of play because it's very good mm-hmm. and yeah just, just some like generally reasonable creatures from, from the format and I'm happy with it I think it's good and yeah my first impressions from actually getting to grips and, and playing Kaldheim is, is that I love it big big fan good yeah I mean it, it I think I evaluated it as not particularly powerful set by comparison yeah. to sets we've seen recently mainly, I mean it's not even sets a lot of the time, it's mainly just a couple of cards and there don't appear to be any particularly ridiculous standouts outside of Tybalt's Trickery which is not the card we all thought would break things going in it yeah, seems definitely. like a lot of nice nice role players yeah, I think anything. I think that one card that I definitely think that I, I undervalued a considerable amount was Vonclex. So Vonclex is actually seeing a decent amount of playing standard and is well, of course actually it is because we said it good. wasn't that good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it it's it is just very good because it does that um that Dublin season effect and you play an Ugin and then you get to ultimate an Ugin straight away and then put another Ugin into play and uh it it's yep. definitely it's seeing a lot more play than I thought it would and that, like even that, like that's good as well. It's good to have like a chase mythic in a set that isn't completely broken, but is is good for for both the standard format and obviously it will be a commander stable forever. Yeah, I do like that you have six like a six mana card that's very good if you play it in conjunction with other cards. Yeah, I think that's a good place for like a chase mythic to exist rather than yeah, just, this is just good all the time. You don't want your rose and your okos constantly or your yeah. omnaths. It's just this card that like this is good. If you're playing, if you're getting to six mana and then untapping and then casting something else, I think that's a reasonable place for something to be kind of busted. <laughs> like that's yeah. the kind of the par level that we want. Like if you manage to get to six mana before dying or being disrupted, untapping with that six mana card and then being able to, I guess, make it like make the additional mana to cast an eight mana Ugin. Yeah. And then immediately ultimate. I think that's perfectly fair game um, in in a format like standard. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's what I want. I, like rather than omnaths and euros, it's 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 a much nicer thing to see. Yeah. No, I fully, fully agree. Fully on board with that, and mm-hmm. I'm, it's good. I'm happy. I'm definitely happy that it, it is seen, seen some play. Um, yeah, it's it's good. It's better than I thought it would be. It's good to be wrong about a, a card like that. I think. We can just say those two sentences about everything. I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's better than I thought it would yeah, be. And it's quite, good possibly, to be wrong. quite possibly. Quite <laughs> possibly. It's always nice to be wrong with magic, I think, because we're always so hyperbolic and so down on things, and we always think things are crap when they're maybe not. And it's nice to be proven wrong in those situations. Yeah. It's not nice to be proven wrong when we all thought Oko wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Once upon a time, once upon a time, wouldn't be that problematic. <laughs> but it's nice to be like, oh, this doesn't seem very good, and then it, and then it ends up not being busted. It ends up being fine, like like foreign clicks. Yeah. And I like dealing with magic in that way <laughs> and that's it. it it's yeah very, very much feels a lot a lot better to be wrong about like 
I guess Vaughn clicks in this instance going, oh, the, the card's fine, it'll be a commander staple forever, probably won't see standard play to, oh, actually, it's just a reasonable player, it's not busted, that's good. It feels a lot better to be wrong about that in that way than it is to be like, uh, Tipple's trickery's a joke, oh no, it's broken, probably should be banned in best of one formats. <laughs> yeah, exactly, or, or something like uh, Gods and Dragon. Yeah. Where we're just like, oh, this doesn't seem that good, but maybe it feels well, and it feels that role very well. And it, yeah. it's seeing a reasonable amount of play, and it's not too much. And like it is, it does feel like, I think the comparison to Glorybringer, obviously it's just a five-mana dragon that, that fits on the same place as a curve as a Glorybringer does. It doesn't do the same yeah. thing, but it, it's a similar sort of role player. And I do feel like it 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 meets that kind of Glorybringer power level, where you're like, this is one of the best cards in standard, but it's not oppressively good, and there are ways to beat it. Yeah, and I just I <laughs> I've missed that kind of that kind of magic for such a long time, and it's nice to. I mean, I'm expecting we're going to get a couple of card on cards banned at some point, <laughs> uh, just that we that we didn't see. But it's nice to have that return to sort of the set isn't completely unplayable and it isn't completely broken. It's just nice to have a middling sort of set. Yeah, where there are no f- there are no fully horrible fully headliners apart from Tibble Strickery, but yeah, it's still kind of a meme. It's like a stupid combo, you're saying. Yeah, that's it. It is. It is. It, it is stupid, and it is definitely a meme. And it's. It's not always good, but the times when it is good, it's busted, and it's too easy. <laughs> it's just too easy to to set it up. I think. At least in at least in you know in the arena formats. Yeah, and I, I kind of well, we'll see where it goes, but I don't think it's going to yeah. be. A huge problem for magic going forward. Oh no, 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 it's not. It's not like an Elko or a neural level of problem at all. I don't think. And I think. Uh, I think. I don't know. I haven't seen it. See any play in vintage at all? But I feel like like maybe vintage is somewhere where you could abuse it as well. But uh, well, being able to cast on turn one's pretty quite good. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like uh, Lotus, counter your mocks. Yeah, Put I'm not sure that's. Play? I, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I'm I feel not sure like that's they're... better than just like Oath of Druids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or just workshop, workshop player Trinosphere go like. <laughs> but yeah, if you're kind of trying to do that kind of deck, because your your Tibble Strickery deck has to be Tibble Strickery's the big things that you find, and then just lands right. There's no like yeah. real bulk to the deck. Where if you're playing Oath of Druids, sure it's less explosive, but you actually get to play real magic cards as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. As well as uh, as well as your combo, so. Yeah, so I don't think vintage is, is a worry at all. Uh, legacy is also I don't think it's a worry. Like we can deal with turn two, um, show and tells easy enough. That I just I don't think it's going to be a player there at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think modern I I don't really know because I just I just don't follow the format anymore really. But I haven't seen enough outrage about it, so I I don't think it's probably going to be an issue there either. But well, that's that's the only way we'd know if something was a problem. Yeah, <laughs> if people sent death threats to, to to Wizards of the Coast employees, that's the only way we yeah. know if something's a problem. So we can only assume this is true. This is true. This is true. <laughs> Sadly, it's true. And then I don't know. Pioneer doesn't exist, so it's, it can be a problem there if it wants. Doesn't matter. We had one really good FNM with Pioneer, and we had like twelve people, and people really enjoyed it. Yeah, I've and then played. We haven't been open since. <laughs> I played a couple of really good Pioneer events, and. Uh, n- none of those decks that I played in any of those events are legal now, so <laughs> oh well. <laughs> that sounds about right with your magic career. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna play the most busted thing, or the most obnoxious I mean, thing. Not always, yeah. It's, it's the most obnoxious thing, definitely more so than the most busted thing. How's your lantern deck? <laughs> <sighs> Two 
too soon. <laughs> Still a sore spot, I'm sorry. It is, yeah. <laughs> Mox Opal died for other sins. I mean, it died for a lot of reasons, let's be honest. I mean... Most of the people probably. that don't think that Mox Opal should have been banned were just people that loved playing Mox Opal. And it should have been banned years ago. <laughs> and it took something completely busted to take it off the map. Yeah. It's a perfectly reasonable ban. We're not, it's not 2018. Why are we discussing this? Sure, sure. Or whenever that card was banned. Was it banned in 2020 yeah. somehow? I don't it know. It was, yeah, January oh my, 2020. Jesus Christ, a year like ago. Just over a year, yeah. Like a year oh and a week God. or something. That ge- it genuinely feels like a, a good two or three years ago that card got banned. Yep, yep. Well, when did Splinter Twin get banned? 12 years ago. Uh, it was 2015, because it was oh Modern Masters 2015. It was legal in. <laughs> God. It was, it was reprinted in and then banned, like... A month after that came out, whatever it was. <laughs> I am so old. If you're old, what about me? I'm impossibly old. Hey, I'm 27 now, that's old. I'm in the last year of my 20s. <laughs> I was going to say, of my life, and I was going to be very, very worried. I mean, we are in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, but you don't leave your house, you'll be fine. And you're yeah, doing all those, all those squats and workouts, and... Yeah. You know, you'll live at least till 31. <laughs> We can hope. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Got to play those two new Innistrad sets coming out this year. Jesus Christ! Please tell me you're staying alive so you can play Magic. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, at this point, what else is there? <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, is there anything else you wanted to to touch on this week? Cool. I mean, I can go on about the the reservist buyouts again if you'd like. Yeah, we may as well. It, it, <laughs> it continues to happen. Continues to get absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I continue every day at work to pack ridiculous orders of cards that no one has ever bought before in their entire lives, like twenty copies at a time, yeah. just because they're reservist. And I, of course, like if you, you go back to listen to the episode where we talked about everything to do with MTG Finance, and, you know, some of the things that are going on currently with the reservist, and I understand all of the reasons that. Well, most of the reasons and the, the nuances behind why all these things are happening. And basically, if it's an expensive Magic card that's either never going to get reprinted or probably won't get reprinted, it's just been bought out by people who have a lot of capital, and yep. the prices are just going up because of that. That's as simple as it is. My, <laughs> my, the thing is, there are cards that are on the reserve list that it's just sort of accepted as this rule that if it's on the reserve list, it's a good buy, and it's a good thing to make money on. And I kind of get that, but there are some cards like Frankenstein's Monster yes. that I just. Who are you going to offload that to? Like, if you come to. Like, I work in a, in a store, right? I buy magic cards from people. If you come in with like 20 Frankenstein's Monsters that you've probably bought off me a few months before for, for like 30p each, and you come in and they're valued at, say, £20, so I would buy them from you. For a twenty pound card, probably uh, twelve. Valued pounds. at a lot more than twenty pounds currently. You know, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Say they're valued at, at that, and I would offer you ordinarily for a twenty pound card twelve pounds. I'm not going to pay you twelve pounds for Frankenstein's monster because how am I <laughs> going to move that on? Like, who, no one wants to buy these cards. They're not desirable cards. They're currently desirable because they're a place to put money, right, or to make money yeah. from. So if we have a bunch of old random cards from Mirage that we're selling for nineteen p each, and they're actually market value six pounds currently, then sure. But who are you going to offload those to? Yeah, People, vendors at GPs are going to laugh you away because they don't want that. Like, I barely want to buy jewels most of the time because they're hard enough to move. I don't want your random reservist trash that's sort of accidentally expensive because it's been inflated by Bitcoin bros. You know, it's yeah. it, it's not. I don't. It's a thing that I don't really understand where these cards are going to go to, where they're going to end up. Um, 
and they're just they're just arbitrarily expensive and there are cards that like you know replenish and stuff like that and, and time spiral that are expensive but they're still kind of desirable for, for a multitude of reasons so that price is going to come down as, as i explained a couple of weeks ago but the price is kind of deserved for a result yeah that, of that, of that that's it. I, I fully fully agree with that i think there is there's a good handful of cards that have been targeted really really hard in these buyouts that i think absolutely will come down in price but they're going to be considerably higher than where they were before and i, I think yeah stuff like time spiral uh, wheel of fortune especially mm-hmm. because these yep. are such ubiquitous of effects in commander like there is actual demand for these cards there's not necessarily demand for one thousand dollar wheel of fortune but if that thousand dollar wheel of fortune by the time everything levels out and stabilizes again is five hundred dollars i will not be surprised to be honest and people will be accepted like will accept paying that like because i you know since i started playing magic tagers used to be 30 quid right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and now they're closer to 130 and, and more than that for reasonable copies and it's i accept that and that's the price i pay now because i know the value of of cards going in i know they're relatively stable and i know that there's a demand for them so should i need to move it i can move it for the same if not more than i bought it for yeah. if i really need to move the money i can spend it and sell it for slightly less than i paid for it so cards like that i'm confident in but if, if we're talking about like 50 dollars copies of leeches or whatever yeah or or i can't even remember the cards i've been packing like anything with volrath in front of it is just that isn't stronghold it like uh was it Volrath's doppelganger or something? Vol- Volrath's duplicate or something? No one's going to buy that, because the reason it, it, it was 30p is because it's bad. <laughs> and no one wanted to play with it. Yeah. So there's going to be no, no demand for it, because people, some people will suck it up and pay $500 for a Wheel of Fortune once all this settles, because they want to own and play with a Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, 100%. But, but they're not going to do it for these... Prismatic Lace from Mirage. It's, That's uh, one of the ones. I packed that one today. I packed blue 28 for an, copies. Blue for an instant. Target permanent becomes the colour of your choice cost to tap, maintain, or use an ability of that permanent remain unchanged is currently at $6 uh, market on MTU stocks. Yeah, I packed 28 copies of those today and we sold them for like 20p. I, yeah. I, I understand that they've been bought out, all the copies have been hoovered up, so the, the, the price is effectively artificial because people that have bought these copies can just set the price. And I understand that, but where the hell are they going to go? No one's going to buy them off you, ever. Yeah. You have a hard time moving stuff like the Suvan Doppelganger, which is actually a reasonable commander card that people actually want. You have a hard time moving certain cards at these inflated prices because people don't want to play it. Sarah Sanctum is still kind of hard to move because people who want it are playing a bad legacy deck or they're playing a very tuned commander deck and those are basically the only places that it sees play. Yeah. Will of Fortune is just basically any red commander deck should play it if they can afford to buy one, right? Yeah, um, 100%. And things like Time Sparrow see, see legacy play and stuff like that. Obviously jewels are their own thing and they the, the demand for jewels is always ravenous. Yeah, but where are you going to where are you going to put the cards? I'm not going to buy them off you. I'm not touching those cards. I'm just going to say no, no, thank you. Or I'll give you 10p for them. Yeah, because I don't want them because they're, they're far too expensive and I'm not going to move them. Like they're harder to move than like Japanese full of Snapcasters, which are ridiculously priced. But someone somewhere will actually want those because <laughs> it's actually useful. Yeah, these cards were just sitting in our in our boxes gathering dust unbought at 10p each because they're bad, <laughs> and it's just this, this sort of weird. And again, I understand why they're that much, but no one's going to pay you the price that you think you're going to make on them. You're not going to make any money off these. And if you yeah. are, you're selling to a moron, and that's their loss. <laughs> that's it. I think there's just there's just different levels of, of, of people within within the market, within these buyouts, within the action that we're seeing happening. And I think 
the the people who are who are buying these cars sort of into the spikes are are going to get burnt a lot. I think there's going to be a reasonable chunk of people sort of above that who will have some of these cars and will have bought some of these cars at a reasonable price that might now struggle to sell them on and they might lose money on some but they might make a little bit of money on on others and it might just balance out a bit but then I think really you've got the people at the top the people who really instigated all of this who are just using it as a vehicle to park their money in they've, they've taken their, their, their gains from, from cryptocurrency and elsewhere and they're like well I'm going to put my money in these things for the moment that will raise the price of this it'll raise the value of this I can now use you can now use the these as as leverage against other things and then I can I know when I sell these a little bit later on that I won't be selling Wheel of Fortune for a thousand dollars I'll be selling Wheel of Fortune for six hundred dollars but it's more than I paid for it and it's more than the value that the money would be if I'd left it in X other vehicle instead so I think there is there's there's definitely a lot of people sort of at the top of the pyramid that there might not be many of them but they they understand finance at a level far more advanced than, than most people do and they're they're never gonna lose money doing these ridiculous things but as always the vast majority of people doing these things will definitely take some losses yeah i think the thing the thing to to realize is there, there are like, like four types of people who are in engaged with this like what's happening with the reservists and spikes currently is yeah. there are people who do not care at all yeah. who just just aren't bothered there are people who instigated it who continue to inflate the prices continue to buy out things who just have absurd capital and potentially aren't yeah. particularly interested in magic and are just like say, looking for somewhere to part their money there yeah are they don't care people... they don't care about the prices of the cards they just exactly. know that no interest. that their money is worth more as this bit of cardboard currently than it is yeah. this line on a graph yeah exactly and then you have people who uh, like me who think okay well this card's gonna be bought out next and i literally want to own that card and i do not want to pay a hundred pounds in 12 months when the prices readjust themselves i want to pay 70 pounds now so i buy just before they go to 150 pounds 200 pounds because i want to own those cards i want to make a saving not make money i want to make a saving on the, the purchase that i would like to make anyway and then there are people who think they can get on and in on it. And if you're the kind of person yeah. that's that's buying Vorath's duplicates or whatever, or just these random Mirage cards that happen to be reservists that are dog shit cards that are not going to see play anywhere ever, then you're just trying to make a quick buck, not really knowing what you're getting yourself into. And you see it with, like we see with the whole the stock market recently, right, and all the hedge funds and GameStop. Yeah. And there are people that are trying to get into it like now, like over the last couple of days, like oh maybe I could make a bit of money on this. Mate. You don't know what you're getting into. It's it's the the boom has happened, and you're not going to make anything off this. And if you do, it's negligible and genuinely not worth your time. And I think the thing with magic and with magic finance specifically is because it's a hobby that people that people have, and it's generally a hobby that people throw themselves into fully. And it's generally, if it's their hobby, it's their main hobby. They think when they see things like this, oh, well, this is different to that kind of thing because I know this hobby, this is my game. Yeah. So I I think I know what's going on more. And I promise you, you don't. <laughs> As someone whose uh, job it is to be at least semi-aware of MTG finance and to understand what's going on with markets and someone who genuinely takes an interest and a joy in tracking these kinds of things, um, I don't do it, so don't. <laughs> like... And there, there are, you know, there are 
dozens of people um, who make content. You've got like people from Brainstorm Brewery who will just tell you just don't do these things. But people seem to think they know better. And like these are the these are these people's jobs, their livelihoods. They make good content about it um, and want to share that information with you. And people just still seem to go for it. And like if you're trying to buy into reserve spikes now, it's an absurd thing. To, it's an absurd thing to be doing. Like I picked up a couple of Vesuvian Doppelgangers for twelve pounds and sold them for 18 because I knew that was going to be a quick little sale I could make Yeah. but now if I'm trying to sell them for 45 they're not going to sell it's 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 things like that like stuff like Peacekeeper I think is we've been bought out recently the price hasn't gone up crazy yet but that's a card that occasionally sees Legacy Sideboard play so maybe you've got a chance of moving that and maybe it's desirable late down the road like if it's a 25 quid card people will probably play it because they actually want to own that card because it has some kind of actual value outside of its monetary price tag but there are people trying to get into it now that are just I don't understand. And also, if you're buying dual lands at like £700, please stop. <laughs> I know you really yeah. want an underground sea or whatever, but now is not the time. And also, yeah. it doesn't really matter if you have one now, because if you're playing, you're probably playing over webcam. If you're playing at all. And just just proxy stuff, please. <laughs> don't spend £700 on underground sea, because I guarantee you it will be less than £700 by the time it's all over. No, 100%. That's it. It's just... It's frustrating. It's just, just, we're in like the perfect storm for this kind of thing. I think like... You've got obviously the the pandemic, meaning that events can't happen. Events can't happen. Like we talked about in in the previous episode, like there's there's no there's no supply chain. There's massive supply chain disruption. These cards just are nowhere near as liquid as they were before, and that allows people to just buy them up and buy them up and buy them up, and the prices won't go anywhere but up. Uh, you've got the fact that people aren't and can't go anywhere and, and do anything so they've genuinely just got a bit more money than they would have anyway then you've got stimulus checks so magic players being magic players are going to spend those on magic cards uh, you've got the only type of paper magic being played really like, at all is commander so yeah these commander staples if they get bought out people are going to quickly jump on that and, and buy their buy their copy because mm-hmm. they want to get in while the price is still affordable to them, and they are still playing this format regularly, so it's just the ultimate perfect storm. And I think, I think these prices will go back down; these prices will level out. But given the this just absolute state of the world, I, I think it, it it may just be a bit of a glacial pace. But hundred percent on board. If you want one of these cards. That is, you know, increased by five hundred percent over the past week or so. Just proxy it. Just proxy it. If you're like you're playing over webcam with your friends, proxy it. If your friends have a problem with that, get new friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree. I unless unless you're like properly wheeling and dealing in uh, in jewels and stuff, like you're moving your currently inflated jewels for more inflated jewels or any reservist cards. Like I moved my uh, inflated Bayou into Time Sparrows, right? Yeah. Unless you're doing that kind of thing, um, acquiring jewel lands and expensive reservist cards right now is, is an absurd thing to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. Not a good absolutely. Time. Yeah, and don't buy GameStop stock, Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's something I don't think I should have to say, but some people keep doing it, and uh, you're not going to make any money on it. Yeah, no. no it is like, funny to watch billionaires cry, so... <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, I, I, guess, I guess... Yeah, we didn't really... I guess it wasn't really going on last week when we were recording, but I guess it's just I've got a lot of feelings. I've got a lot of feelings about that, and they're probably not appropriate for a Magic the Gathering podcast. But 
it's 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 good. It's good in a way, definitely. It's good. It's always it's always fun to engage in a bit of a, a bit of Schadenfreude when uh, hedge fund managers are the ones being hurt. That's always good. But at oh, the yeah. same time, like a that money is also people's pensions and or I guess four hundred one k's if you're American, mm-hmm. uh, and b the people doing it aren't doing it to redistribute the wealth. And sure, a handful of people might have made a, a reasonable or even life-changing amount of money overnight, but some of these people, you know, if you want to talk about, like, deep fucking value, he made $22 million overnight. That's a ridiculous amount of money. But in order to do that, he put in $750,000 in the first place, which your average person has nowhere near that capital at all. So mm-hmm. it's it's not really like the people versus Wall Street. It's it's very much the people with a lot of expendable income versus Wall Street. So I, yeah, I don't know. The there's definitely benefit. some po- there's definitely some positives, but like it literally, it it just it does not affect the average person at all. Yeah, the only benefit is we get to see hedge fund managers lose a bunch of money, and that's kind of funny. Yeah, and people make good tweets about it. But I've yeah, generally yeah. stayed clear of the whole thing. And like you said, yeah, it, it, it's a similar thing with happening reserve list. It's just people with a bunch of capital that are generally only allowed to do it. There, there are some people that managed to put in like a hundred bucks and came out and managed to clear their student loans, which is cool. Yeah, a hundred percent. But there is definitely a, a couple of a couple of nice success stories to take away from it, and that that's good and that's cool. But these things just shouldn't happen in the first place. Like, and I think yeah, well, that's the thing as well. Like people making money off it just become the new people that need to be eaten, right? Yeah, oh, very much so. <laughs> like, it, it's it, it, it like in a lot of so there are there are a lot of similarities in terms of like what is actually going on to when you look at like what happened with the financial crash in two thousand eight. But I think the yep. the massive difference then like from then and now is that you know most people most people who were affected like, yeah most people were affected by the financial crash in two thousand eight and. You know, lots of people lost their jobs. It really, really messed up the economy of the world. Whereas this time, when a similar thing is happening, now most people just don't have anything to lose. So they can sit back and watch and they can laugh and it, it doesn't yep. affect them. And that's that's funny and good, but also it's it's horrific at the same time and we, we shouldn't really we shouldn't really live in a world where <laughs> A handful of people can have billions and billions of dollars, and the vast majority of people are living paycheck to paycheck. And that's no, the Magic the Gathering podcast for the week. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, th- I think it's great that you know I struggle to pay bills every week, but people get to live in solid gold houses. I think that's nice. I think it's just they just worked harder than me, Joe. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you have you, have you considered pulling yourself up by your bootstraps? No, that's too much hard work. Well, I'm lazy. There you go. You know? There you go. It's funny because actually I'm lazy. Um, but also, <laughs> I uh, also can't make that kind of money given a thousand lifetimes. Mm-hmm. On that note, cool. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, I do not buy reserveless cards currently. You can proxy them. If you do have reserveless cards that have, have gone to extreme heights, and you could you could do with the cash, or you feel like the, you value the cash value of that card far more than that card, absolutely try and sell them, even if it's just a little bit less than market value. Just, just go yeah, for it. If you find I've buy been it, very, very, go very, it, very tempted to myself recently, uh, and yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you absolutely should. To be honest, 
I mean, this is but that sort of golden time that we all think of, like, oh yeah, eventually my magic cards will make money, and now the prices are going crazy, and people are like, no, I still don't want to sell them. <laughs> yeah. If you can find a buyer, I would move them, but you're going to have a hard time doing that. Yeah, that, that's it. I think that's that's part of the reason why I haven't, because like I look at it and, I, and like I could go a fair amount below market value and get an easy fifteen k for my collection, and that's a life changing amount of money. But mm-hmm. that's a lot of it's a lot of effort to find a buyer to do it all, and then own no magic cards, and that it's not something that I want to do. But yeah, what, what do you want? Very, very changed what do you want a life-changing amount of money or the ability to buy ad nauseum tendrils you know <laughs> you're right I mean, <laughs> it's I a mean, hard decision <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's that thing of like yeah if there wasn't a pandemic going on I would just easily sell it all and then that's a that's a deposit on a house but there is a pandemic on and it's because there's a pandemic on that all of this is happening so I, I can't have my cake and eat it and that's fine it's fine it's all good cool I think that's pretty much all we have time for this week what are your thoughts on, on these buyouts? Let us know, definitely. And, and what are your thoughts on Kaldheim as well? It's It's been an interesting week one, and I'm really looking forward to just watching how it goes forward. I do really want to know all of your thoughts and feelings about Tibble's Trickery, though. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can hit us up on social media. We are at HRFDCast on Twitter, facebook.com slash HRFDCast. Or if you've really enjoyed anything in this episode and you'd like to give back in a monetary value, you can hit us up at Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash devastation. Where tiers start from as little as one dollar per month. That's roughly twenty to twenty-five cents per episode. I love how we not we talk about not putting your money in stupid places and then ask people to give us money. Um, <laughs> we do really appreciate it, um, but also you know make sure your family are fed and that you can afford to stay alive. Uh, you can find the podcast uh, on Spotify and SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. If you wanted to go to one of those places and leave us a review or a rating or a comment, we'd really appreciate it because it helps us get the podcast to more people. If you want to find me on my own personal social media, on Twitter, I'm at PeachGardenOaf on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, I'm Joe Loudon. You can find me in pretty much any of the magic groups, probably just talking about reserveless cards and <laughs> the state of the world. Uh, I also stream on Twitch. Every Friday night I do something magic-related. We'll be doing a, a bit of FNM. We'll probably be playing New Arena this week. Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash PeachGardenOaf. Come hang out. It'll be fun. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Snail69. Nice. Thank you. Uh, where I'm just talking about reservist magic cards and how terrible our government is and also how terrible the opposition to our government is so that's nice the more things change the more they stay the same well they got a lot worse recently <laughs> this, so is that, true. this is true that's that damn Keith you know yeah Keith <laughs> <laughs> that is all we have time for this week once again we're approaching the second hour the god pharaoh has returned so we'll see you again next week on Hour of Devastation Keith 